0: While it may seem like this is the same newsletter and podcast over and over again, it will be unlike any of the other 492 other editions so far. This is the 493rd, and it will have its own distinct flavor, which may be odd because as far as I know, there's no way to convey narrative through the taste buds. But Charlottesville Community Engagement is intended to do what it can for oral and visual pathways— I'm the host, Sean Tubbs, still very hesitant to experiment with an olfactory version of the program. On today's show, Charlottesville City Council whittles 20 candidates for a replacement seat to six in advance of Monday's public hearing. A longtime member of the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors has died. A top Albemarle County executive is set to retire. There are now two candidates seeking the South District seat on the Nelson County Board of Supervisors, and Albemarle Supervisors commemorate Black History Month. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Charlottesville Jazz Society wants you to know about their first concert of the 2023 season. On Saturday, February 11th, the Charlottesville Jazz Society WTJU Jazz Concert Series will welcome electrifying drummer and composer Allison Miller and pianist Carmen Staff to Charlottesville. The duo will perform at First Presbyterian Church on Park Street on Saturday, February 11th at 7.30pm. Carmen will play the church's exquisite fazioli piano. Want a sample? There's a recent recording on YouTube in the newsletter for you to sample. Tickets are available online. General admission is $23 in advance and paid supporters of the Charlottesville Jazz Society only pay $20. But all tickets will be $25 at the door. For more information, visit sevillejazz.org or call 434-249-6191. The four remaining members of Charlottesville City Council have privately selected a shortlist of six people who will move forward to a public hearing on Monday to be selected as a replacement for former City Councilor Cena McGill. The shortlist is Alex Bryant, former Executive Director of the Ix Park and former Executive Director of the TomTom Tom Foundation, former City Councilor Kathy Galvin, current School Board Member Lisa Larson-Torres. 28-year Charlottesville resident Natalie Oshrin, former school board member Leah Year, and former city councilor Kristen Zakos. The press release that was sent out this morning does not give out any indication about how these six were selected. Previous information did not indicate that there would be a shortlist, so I reached out to all of the councillors and all of the illimited candidates to learn more. This is a story in development, but here's what I have as of 2.30 p.m. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook reached out to his fellow councillors. That's according to Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade, who wrote to me in an email that it was a very fluid process. Wade was the only councillor to respond before publication time. I asked all of the councillors what they sought in a replacement for McGill, and Wade responded that he was looking for candidates that would have experience with budgets, willing to working with council, and others to move the city forward." I also reached down to all of the candidates and will update this post on Information Charlottesville as new information comes in. One applicant who was not chosen said he was disappointed to have not made the cut. John Santoski was on the Planning Commission when it began work on the Comprehensive Plan in early 2017. He said he thought he was a reasonable and thoughtful school board member and planning commissioner, and he said that his time on the planning commission group put an enormous amount of work on the development of the comp plan, but it was taken out of the grasp at the 11th hour and handed off to consultants. He said that would have cost a lot less than the current plan. Santosky said he is not likely to seek a full term due to a large workload at his job at the Ark of the Piedmont. He said he understood the decision, and two other people also said they did as well. Kate Bennis said that she saw so many experienced and qualified applicants, and she understood the need to whittle the list. Kate Bennis also said that she appreciated the opportunity to reconnect with city government, deepen her understanding of current issues, and reach out to others to get their expertise and advice on how the city runs on issues such as climate policy and the zoning ordinance. Margaret Gardner said she was surprised that there was a shortlist after being instructed to sign up for the February 6th public hearing. She said on one hand, she was surprised, but on the other, she said there are several exceptional women running for the position, so she wasn't surprised that she was not among them. Gardner said she is not likely to run for the office given the different level of commitment, but said she has learned a lot from this experience. I have many more questions out and will update the story on Information Charlottesville as other responses come in. Look to other media outlets for story on this as well. A council appointment like this has not happened in over 55 years. According to the minutes of the June 19, 1967 council meeting, the four councillors present met to select a replacement for Robert S. Johnson, who resigned in May during his first year of office. Three weeks after his May 29th resignation letter, council opened up the floor for nominations – Councillor Bernard Haggerty nominated Planning Commission Chair Bill Reinhardt to fill out the rest of the term. Councillor Burkett Reynolds nominated five other candidates, but there was only a roll call vote on Reinhardt, who won on a three-to-zero vote with Councillor Dutch vote abstaining. At the beginning of yesterday's meeting of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors, Supervisor Donna Price announced the passage of one of the people who has held her seat representing the Scottsville district. Lindsay Dorrier Jr. has died at the age of 79. He was raised in Scottsville, attended public schools, graduated from St. Christopher School, Trinity College, enlisted in the Army, graduated from Infantry Officer Candidate School, and served as military Uh, intelligence. Dorier returned to the area to attend the University of Virginia School of Law. He was first elected to the Scottsville District on the board in 1975 and was also elected as Albemarle's Commonwealth's attorney. He also served as the director of the Department of Criminal Justice in the administration of former Governor Doug Wilder. Dorier returned to the Board of Supervisor in the election of 1999 and served two additional terms before retiring in 2011. That was also the year in which he provided the fourth vote to change Albemarle's position on the Western Bypass in an event known locally as the Midnight Vote. You can learn more about Dorier in an obituary that will be published in Sunday's Daily Progress. There is a top opening in the executive leadership in Albemarle County. Deputy County Executive Doug Walker has announced he will retire effective August 1st. According to County Executive Jeffrey Richardson, he said Albemarle has been fortunate to have Doug in his final 10 years of his career. Richardson lauded Walker's ability to adjust on the fly in almost any situation with a focus on true organizational and community problem solving and improvement. Walker began work for Albemarle County in 2013 after having served as county administrator in Shenandoah County. He has also been city manager in Waynesboro. Walker started in Albemarle as the assistant county executive for community services and also filled in for several months as the interim county executive once Tom Foley stepped down in early 2017. A search for a successor will begin in the coming weeks. There are now two Republicans seeking the nomination for the South District seat on the Nelson County Board of Supervisors. Philip Purvis of Shipman has filed a statement of organization for the seat, which is currently held by Democrat Robert Barton. He joins James C. Bibb, a fellow Republican who turned in his electronic paperwork, on January 12th. The second seat up for election in November is in the West District, That seat is currently held by David Parr. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber supported shout out, an area nonprofit wants you to know about what they offer to help you learn to preserve, protect, and appreciate trees. The Charlottesville Area Tree Stewards holds several events throughout the year, including a Zoom webinar on how to identify different trees by season. On Tuesday, February 7th at 7pm, Tree Steward Emily Ferguson will help strengthen your tree identification skills with a ground-up approach, literally Ferguson will help you know how to check the forest floor for clues before scanning upward to look at bark texture, tree shape, and branching as needed to confirm an identification. Register for that webinar in a link in the newsletter. And then on Saturday, February 11th, Ferguson will lead a walk at the Ivy Creek Natural Area to test out what you've learned. Attending the Zoom webinar is highly recommended. For more information, please register and visit charlottesvilleareatreestewards.org. The stories that you'll hear about Black history in the next 27 days took place throughout the entire year, and every February is an opportunity to think about the topic year-round and how our community might become more equitable. This is the 47th year of the federal recognition of Black History Month, according to a proclamation adopted by the Albemarle Board of Supervisors on Wednesday. Jesse Brookins is the director of Albemarle's Office of Equity and Inclusion is a significant um, achievement to acknowledge the contributions of Black Americans um, nationally, but also locally. Brookins took the opportunity to introduce Sam Spencer, a self-sufficiency program manager with Albemarle County's Department of Social Services. Spencer serves on a variety of different committees, including one that oversees the Thomas Jefferson Planning District's work on eviction diversion. Sam has worked for the past few years uh, behind the scenes to give others the opportunity for success, uh, empowerment, and confidence to thrive in a community which we all know and love and appreciate. Spencer formally received the proclamation from the Board of Supervisors, but said he is not one for the spotlight. Um, I think this opportunity to be before you is a great one. Um, I accept this uh, because I know the work is hard, but we're all servant leaders in this work that we do. And being a leader means that you have to serve those in the community. So thank you for this opportunity. Supervisors took the opportunity to provide their own comments. Supervisor B. Lepisto-Kirtley of the Rythana District noted that she has recently read about a book on the desegregation of libraries in Northern Virginia. That book is by Chris Barbershack and Suzanne S. LePier. Lepisto-Kirtley read a quote from Lapier that was in a recent news article. Progress doesn't happen just because time passes. Progress happens when people take action to make things better. Supervisor Ann Malick of the Whitehall District said she is supportive of efforts to tell a broader picture of places in the rural area, such as a recent historic marker placed at Union Run Baptist Church. And helping them to tell their own story much more fully now has really been a wonderful accomplishment over the last several years, and I hope that we will continue to do that. Here's a description of Union Run Baptist Church from the Virginia Department of Historic Resources. Union Run Baptist Church in Albemarle County took shape soon after the Civil War when the Reverend Robert Hughes and other freedmen organized the congregation, which purchased a nearby church building and re-erected it on land deeded to them in 1867. The church served as a school and a community center and the property as a burial ground. Supervisor Ned Galloway of the Rio District said the proclamation made him recall the time he got to spend with Dr. Frank Henderson, a late professor at Iowa University in Athens whose classes Galloway attended. According to the Encyclopedia of Arkansas, Henderson was one of six people who integrated North Little Rock High School in September of 1957. And he had a very distinctive voice because during um, a civil rights uh, protest. He had his throat partially crushed during the event. Supervisor Diantha McKeel of the Jack Jewett District took the opportunity to read the recent joint statement from Albemarle Police Chief Sean Reeves, Charlottesville Police Chief Michael Kochus, and UVA Police Chief Tim Longo on the recent death of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. We are profoundly saddened by the actions that led to the ultimate untimely, senseless, and brutal death of Tyree Nichols at the hands of five former members of the Memphis Police Department. Once again, police officers around the globe who hold dear their oath of office and work diligently to preserve public trust and confidence have been irreparably harmed by the callous actions of others who abandon their commitment to peace, justice, and humanity." Supervisor Donna Price of the Scottsville District said she is a member of the local chapter of the NAACP and serves on its executive committee. She said the appropriate word to use is commemorate rather than celebrate Black history. Because you cannot celebrate when the battle has not yet been won. We know the history of America since 1619 has been one of prejudice and discrimination, lawful discrimination. Discrimination. Price warned about a rising tide of new discrimination by the barring of African-American studies and defunding of equity programs in some places across the country, as well as censorship that she said is intended to stop discussion of what some call woke topics. I call it simply treating people with dignity and respect. Price said continuing to proclaim events like Black History Month are important to reaffirm Supervisor's recent decision to make equity a community value. And you are at the end of this episode, number 493. If you go back to the opening words of the installment, you will see that I state clearly that this one is not like any others. And it's true. All of the work I do at Town Crier Productions is an experiment in journalism, just like all of the work I did at Charlottesville Tomorrow was an experiment in journalism. The idea of being press is one I take seriously, and I point to the hundreds of paid supporters as evidence I'm independent as I go about doing this work. The opening story today is one that will no doubt be out of date as more information comes into my inbox and into my phone. The resignation of Cena McGill is part of a piece of history as it has been half a century for a city councilor to be appointed by elected members. So I'll be updating that story on Information Charlottesville. Almost every time I begin writing one of these, I'm not entirely sure what will be coming out. I am looking forward to the days when I'll be able to hire people to produce a few more stories, as there's a lot more I want to get to each and every day. As I said, I'm doing this work full-time now, and I'm able to do so because of the people who have come to rely on me being here. It really is my hope, as more people opt for paid subscriptions, that I will be able to hire others to do some of the work. I'm fortunate to have followed my dreams of municipal journalism. So many others I've known in my career have looked down on this work, and I'd say that's their loss. If you do pay for a subscription through Substack, Ting will match your initial subscription. I cannot stress how much that helps me keep this business running, which means paying for things like deed searches, websites, and the electricity that allows the digital work upon which this version of the press relies. Ting also wants to help with your high-speed internet needs. If you sign up for a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code community, you will get, you know these by now, free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. As for other things, Racky, uh, thank you, Racky, for all of the work you are doing and have done to provide music for these things. And, of course, the other person, the fundamental grang, the less said about that person, the better. Now it's time to begin thinking about the next edition. I'm pretty sure I read this part yesterday, and I'm just going to say to you guys, thanks for listening. Honestly, the podcast is why I do this. Without the podcast, I'd have no interest in doing the rest of it. I know that sounds silly, but honestly... You guys are the best for listening. And tell someone else about it and tell them, you know, to tell them stuff. You know, I'd like to have more people listening. I'm Sean Tubbs. And oh, 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 I forgot. Uh, Thank you to either Doug, Eddie, or Michael Kilpatrick for the soundbite. I haven't mixed this yet, so I don't know which voice you heard about the Union Run Baptist Church. If you would like to volunteer to be considered to read volunteer voiceover promos, I can't pay for that, but you can... You can drop me a line and we can maybe talk about that. Bye-bye. Goodbye.